What's going on, everybody, and welcome into another edition of the Jim Bratton Podcast. And yes, I know that there is so much other sports news that has been going on aside from what I will be talking about today. Obviously, what a wild PGA Championship that was. Brooks Kepka coming away with the Wanamaker Trophy, of course, at the end. And just want to, before I get into more into today's show, uh, the only thing else that I will say about the PGA Championship before I get into it a little bit more in detail, probably tomorrow on the Jim Bratton podcast, is I just want to give really big shout out to PGA Tour pro Michael Block. What a guy. What a guy. The, the hole-in-one on, I, and I cannot remember exactly which hole it was. I believe it might have been 15, but I'm not entirely sure. It was one of the par threes at Oak Hill Country Club in Rochester, New York. And dude just gets up to the tee box and apparently, I was just watching the video of it this morning, apparently hits the golf ball at a speed of 118 miles per hour, which is unbelievable. And although I, I guess uh, I say unbelievable, when I say unbelievable, I guess I mean more for me or someone at my basic skill level of the game of golf and not necessarily guys that play on the PGA Tour, but 118 mile per hour tee shot. And of course the ball goes X amount of feet up in the air. And just sploosh, just drops right into the hole on one of the par threes at Oak Hill in Rochester. Michael Block, of course, as I mentioned, unfortunately was not able to win the PGA Championship. Brooks Kapka was, and I will be getting into that in much greater detail probably tomorrow. And yes, Mateo Rising, if you are watching and or listening to this show, as I've mentioned to you on social media before, uh, recently in the last day or so, yeah, yes, Mateo, Wherever you are out there, I will be discussing your beloved Indianapolis 500 on the show more than likely tomorrow. If I don't get to it tomorrow, I will be sure to mention something about it later on this week. But yes, I'm very much well aware it is 
the Mecca, shall we say, of IndyCar. And it's obviously a very big thing that's coming up this weekend on Saturday, or, or excuse me, Sunday, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. But I will be definitely making sure to touch on both the PGA Championship and the Indy 500 later on this week. But as you can see in the title of the particular episode of the show that I'm doing today, that is not what I'm going to be discussing. And before, not what I'm going to be discussing on today's show. And before I get into the nitty-gritty of that, I want to touch on some really just heartbreaking news that really took the NFL world by storm this past Thursday night, which was the passing of NFL legend Jim Brown, Mr. Brown, as he is commonly, or was commonly uh, referred to. Mr. Brown, of course, is a play on words from the fact that Jim Brown was a, of course, longtime legend of the Cleveland Browns, and certainly when you think of legends that have taken the field for the Cleveland Browns over the years, obviously there's not not been very many of them, at least in recent memory, but uh, certainly when you think of all-time greats in the city of Cleveland and for the Cleveland Browns organization in general, Jim Brown is by far the name that jumps to the top of your mind the first. Uh, he passed away this past Thursday, uh, May 18th, at the age of 87, and was obviously a not just a legend on the field, but was also a tremendous ambassador for the NFL off the field as well, did a lot of things in the NFL community as far as philanthropy and just other different types of engagements that he had and so on and so forth. And really, really just an all-around legend both on and off of the football field. But as far as his career numbers go for the NFL Hall of Famer. I'm just going to stay on the, stay from a on-field perspective as I break these down. He was a three-time NFL MVP in 1957, 1958, and 1965. Uh, he was actually the NFL Rookie of the Year in 1957. After being selected in the first round, I believe, with the sixth overall pick in that 
draft class, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, he was also a nine-time NFL Pro Bowler from 1957 to 1965. He was a eight-time NFL rushing yards leader, five-time NFL rushing touchdowns leader, and when you look at his career numbers, obviously those very much speak for themselves as well. He finished, uh, Mr. Brown finished his career with 12,312 rushing yards, averaged about 5 to 5.2 yards a carry, 106 rushing touchdowns, 262 career receptions, 2,499 receiving yards, and 20 receiving touchdowns. And so, that is obviously a tremendous stat line, or stat lines, I should say, when you're looking at the on-field accolades of Mr. Brown, Jim Brown. And, of course, as I just mentioned a minute ago, he was not only a legend on the field, uh, certainly is a or is and was a very popular figure in the city of Cleveland. I remember seeing a video recently of LeBron of LeBron James back during his while, or I should say LeBron James during his, I believe, second stint with the Cleveland Cavaliers. It was a video of LeBron just seeing Jim Brown sitting courtside at a Cavs game and just taking a bow in respect of Jim Brown. And certainly that speaks to not just NFL, the way NFL fans feel about him, but really just all across the board, the spectrum of professional sports and really just people in general all across the country, but definitely in particular in the city of Cleveland, Ohio. And before I, just before I get into the Tennessee Titans bleak roster, very bleak roster situation, I just wanted to really, I really felt the need to just acknowledge Jim Brown and the life that he led, and just what a tremendous legend and ambassador for the game he was, both on and off of the football field. Now, all of that being said, let's talk about this Tennessee Titans roster situation post-minicamp. Obviously, post-minicamp, Rookie minicamp because the Titans 
just wrapped up their rookie minicamp about a week and a half coming up on two weeks ago. And it's it's interesting because when I did the schedule breakdown for the Tennessee Titans and when I was talking about what I think their record is going to be at the end of the season as far as wins and losses are concerned, obviously. And when I picked them to finish the regular season with a 10-7 and record, that is, of course, and I did... I should know that I did preface that record prediction by saying that this hinges on everybody staying healthy for the duration of the 17-game regular season. Uh, when I made that prediction, what I failed to take into account was the lack of depth that the Tennessee Titans are facing on their roster as of two days ago. Because, my gosh, it is absolutely, on paper, it is just absolutely horrendous to look at. And I'm going to start with the offense here. Obviously, there are a few things to like about the Tennessee Titans from the standpoint of the offensive side of the football. Certainly, I'm a really big fan of what they have done along the offensive line with adding Andre Dillard from Philadelphia, who you would assume is going to be manning the left tackle spot. And obviously the Aaron Brewer move to center, I think, is could potentially be one of the more underrated moves from a Personal, personnel standpoint, obviously Aaron Brewer was on the team last year and played a lot of snaps at guard. Obviously, that was not necessarily Aaron Brewer's primary position with him having played center, almost primarily at center throughout the course of his career, but obviously the Titans did have the center spot held down last year with Ben Jones. Ben Jones is obviously no longer there, and now Aaron Brewer gets to slide in at center. I'm somewhat optimistic about that move as of right now, but we will just have to wait and see how things shake out in OTAs and training camp and the preseason, obviously. But I'm very much a fan of 
Peter Skronsky, the first-round draft pick who the Tennessee Titans selected at number 11 overall. So I was a really big fan of that selection in the first round for the Tennessee Titans. It, it did the draft got pretty weird after the first round. I will say that it got pretty strange, not only based on the Will Levis selection, and I'll believe me, I will get even more into detail on Will Levis here in just a second, but also the fact that the Titans waited until the seventh round, the seventh round, the 228th overall pick to select Colton Dell, the wide receiver from UT Martin in the and I'm I'm going to keep emphasizing this because it is a very very important point to make here the 7th round keep keep in mind there are only 7 rounds in the NFL draft 7 the Titans had six draft picks this year. And they actually gave up, I believe, a third round selection next year to go up and get Will Levis this year in the second round. That third round pick next year was a part of that Will Levis trade-up situation. And with that being said, the level of draft capital that the Titans have for next year is very bleak as well and really, really puts a, puts a pause on the fact that I and I assume many other Titans fans out there as well uh, are very interested in this. The Marvin Harrison Jr. sweepstakes, if you will. It really puts the Titans out of contention in those sweepstakes as well. And so from a draft capital standpoint for the next few years, the Tennessee Titans are not in a good spot quite honestly, as of right now. But having, having said all of that about how weird the 2023 NFL draft got for the Titans from the second round onward, I am a very big fan of the Peter Skaronsky pick and one of the very interesting things that I've seen on Twitter about the Titans uh, either right before or on the day of I can't remember exactly what which day it was prior to the draft last month but 
very interesting situation that I could see come up is Andre Dillard and Peter Skaronsky competing for the left tackle spot. The loser of the left tackle competition gets to slide in as the starter at left guard, which is definitely going to be, I would say and think, a good situation, especially based on what the Titans' offensive line situation was last year. I mean, my gosh. Starting Dennis Daly at left tackle. I mean, I'm still getting... I still get PTSD sometimes when I think about just how much of a train wreck Dennis Daly was at left tackle. He was just... just awful. But... That's really all that needs to be said about Dennis Daly because, my gosh, but certainly you would think and hope that the offensive line situation this year is going to be better than it was last year. Also worth noting, the Titans also selected Jalen Duncan, who is also a offensive tackle. And I say also because Peter Skaronsky was mainly a tackle in college, but is projected to be probably a better fit inside at the NFL level. We will have to wait and see how that plays out in camp, as I just alluded to. But Jalen Duncan the sixth round draft pick could, I think, be a very valuable piece as well. And certainly, I think the Titans were, in a lot of ways, trying to clean up the mistakes of the John Robinson administration as it relates to the offensive line issues. I think that Mike Rabel and Rand Carthon saw that as the number one area of emphasis that needed to be focused on for the Titans this offseason. And certainly, to their, to their credit, they did a pretty decent, to say the least, job of addressing that. So, that's it for the offensive line situation. As far as the receivers go, I'm not really going to spend too much time talking about the running backs because obviously King Henry is still in the fold at least for one more season and certainly there's a lot of question marks that are that need to be addressed behind him. Obviously, they just drafted Tajay Spears in the third round. He has a lot of question marks surrounding him, but I think those are all going to be 
sorted out in training camp as far as the injury concerns go with Tajay Spears. As far as I know, I've not seen any negative reports coming out of rookie minicamp about Tajay Spears, so that's a definite positive. And you also have Hassan Haskins, the draft pick from 2022 that is going to be fighting for playing time as well. But that's all I'm going to be saying about the running backs today as it relates to the Titans, the receivers. The receivers, on the other hand, I am going to spend quite a bit of time addressing because, my gosh, oh my gosh, when you when you get past uh, tra- Traylon Burks, the former first-round draft pick from 20... 20- 22, and you've got to give a little bit of credit to Traylon Burks to some degree because he did show some flashes during last season, but at the same time, he did also struggle to stay on the field, and I know that during the sort of press conferences that and media availability that Titans players have given recently to the media. Uh, one of the very important things to note about Traylon Burks is he seems to be a little bit more in shape this offseason as opposed to Last offseason, obviously, apparently he has asthma, which really sort of hurt his ability to, I I don't want to say adapt to the NFL level because the the man did play football, his, the man did play his college football in the Southeastern Conference, after all, at the University of Arkansas, but the asthma, I think, in his mind, sort of held him back. He's also apparently been eating better, and so that obviously helps out to a very large degree when you're talking about guys being able to stay in football shape and maintain the conditioning and whatnot that goes into being an NFL wide receiver. But, and I should also point out that Traylon Burks has also been mentioned as a little bit of a breakout candidate. And I'm going to go ahead and knock on some wood as I say that. But certainly there's a lot of things to like about Traylon Burks going into 2023. But when you get past 
Traylon Burks and Colton Dell on the current Titans wide receiver depth chart. I'm just going to rattle off some of these names, and I should note that if you've never really heard of any of these people before, exactly, exactly, that's the point I'm trying to make. That is exactly what I'm trying to say. But some of these names on the Tennessee Titans wide receiver depth chart, Jacob Copeland, undrafted free agent, Trayshawn Harrison, undrafted free agent, Gavin Holmes, undrafted free agent, Kiaris Jackson, the former uh, University of Georgia wide receiver, you, you guessed it, undrafted free agent, Mason, Mason Kinsey, who I think has built has basically his own studio apartment outside of Ascension St. Thomas Sports Park at this point, because he's, dude has been on the Titans roster for the last three years or so. Mason Kinsey, and has somehow found a way to hang around the Tennessee Titans practice facility and at least remain in the building if not uh, on the if not always on the active roster necessarily. I don't even know how many catches Mason Kenzie has in his professional career outside of the preseason, but it's it's uh, not that not that many. I will say that with absolute certainty, but somehow he, like I said, has apparently moved in to Ascension St. Thomas Sports Park at this point because the Titans just can't seem to let him get out of the building. And I think certainly you have to give a lot of credit to Mason Kinsey in that regard, but just going by the lack of depth that the Titans receivers have, you begin to ask yourself the question, why is he here? Why is he still here? But anyway, I digress. I will continue uh, Racy McMath, the uh, draft pick from two years ago, he was actually drafted by the Titans, and so he is obviously somebody they were pretty high on at the time. And has sh- Racy has shown flashes, but has not been consistent enough to really make a name for himself at this level. Uh, Chris Moore, the veteran, the, I believe, seven-year veteran that the Titans just picked up from the 
Houston Texans in free agency. And obviously, he's got some familiarity with new offensive coordinator Tim Kelly after spending time with Tim Kelly in Houston. But having said that, he is a little bit up there in age, but I mean, really just based on the lack of depth at the receiver position for the Tennessee Titans right now, you could make the argument that maybe Chris Morris, the number two behind Traylon Burks. And hopefully that does not end up being the case because of the hopefully continued development of this next guy that I'm about to mention, Kyle Phillips. Hopefully he continues to develop and Hopefully Kyle Phillips puts on some weight as well because one of the trends that we saw with Kyle Phillips last year was his inability to stay healthy. And certainly you look at the guy and think if he were to put on maybe an extra 15, 20 pounds and stay on the field a little bit more than maybe he can be potentially become the number two because certainly he did show flashes in the preseason last year, particularly on special teams. And if he continues to, if he does continue to develop, certainly the Titans will be more than pleased to get much more value out of Kyle Phillips than just special teams. Uh, Reggie Roberson, undrafted free agent from 22, and, and I must not forget the enigma that is Nick Westbrook Akine. Uh, Nick Westbrook Akine, NWI, NWI, if, here's the problem with him, is, and this goes back to the sort of running theme that I have about the Titans wide receiver unit as a whole, one of the running themes, other than the lack of depth, is just inconsistency, and if NWI can clean up what he needs to get cleaned up and stay more consistent, then I can't believe I'm about, I'm about to say this, but maybe the Titans receiver group will be a little bit better than it is now, at least on paper. Now, very quickly before I get to the defense, as it relates to the quarterbacks and the guys who will be throwing the ball to these receivers, quote unquote. Uh, Will, Will Levis, obviously, and this is 
Very interesting. I actually ran a poll on Twitter yesterday where a lot there's been a lot of talk this offseason about whether or not the Titans would consider trading Ryan Tannehill probably to the Falcons because of the obvious connections with Arthur Smith and of course the Titans keep saying Ryan's under contract he's under contract he's going to be here yeah that they can say that all they want but if the perfect offer come, happens to come across Rand Carthon's desk do you not th- do you not seriously think that he and Mike Vrabel are going to look at that offer and at least consider it I do I do that's just me but the very interesting uh, poll results that I got back yesterday were that apparently 86% of the people that responded to that poll said that yes, the Titans should consider trading Ryan Tannehill before the start of the season. And so I just thought that that was very interesting and in a way, it sort of really speaks to the direction that a lot that a large portion of the fan base might want the Titans to go in as they head into 2023. But what my gut is telling me, and I'm I'm not going to make a prediction on this one way or the other today, but what my gut is telling me as I sit here on May the 22nd is that Ryan Tannehill is going to be the starting quarterback for the Titans against the New Orleans Saints in week one. That's just what my gut is telling me as of right now. And like it or not, that may be what we have to end up seeing as Titans fans and football fans, NFL fans in general, as we head into 2023, is Ryan Tannehill being the starting quarterback. Whether that lasts the full 17-game season, I don't know. My gut is telling me that it may not, but we will just have to wait and see. But that's it for the offense. The defense, as of right now, is the primary bright spot from the current Tennessee Titans roster situation as it stands on May the 22nd of 2023. Obviously, the biggest news by far is that Big Jeff is coming back. He just signed his big contract extension a couple of weeks, and 
months ago, I think it was about a month and a half, two months ago, that Big Jeff signed his bit his big deal. Obviously had a lot of fun with the fan base on Twitter as it relates to the contract situation. But the fact that Big Jeff will be back for the foreseeable future is a definite positive as it relates to the Titans, not just this year, but into the both near and distant future, to say the least. Uh, staying on the defensive line, as it relates to the nose tackle slash de- defensive tackle situation, I guess Tier Tart and Naquan Jones, not not Daquan Jones, for those of you longtime Tennessee Titans fans out there, not Daquan Jones, but Naquan Jones. I think those two guys are. I mean, they're serviceable, but obviously that you would think there's going to be definitely a rotation involved with the defensive line. They need to obviously keep a bunch of guys fresh, and Danica, and this is sort of where I'm going to shift to the outside linebacker spot, starting with Danico Autry. He's actually one of those guys that can play on the line and stand up and rush as an outside linebacker in a pinch. And so not only are Big Jeff and Tier Tart and Naquan Jones going to be in the D-line rotation, but obviously uh, Danico and Arden Key, who I'm a very big fan of, are going to slide into that pass rush rotation of bodies as well. Uh, Staying with the outside linebackers, obviously Harold Landry will be back. That's probably the number two bright spot for this Tennessee Titans defense, aside from Big Jeff returning, uh, you've also got to look at the return of Harold Landry as well. And um, really, as I sit here now, I'm really starting to take into account how scary the pass rush combination could be of... Danico, Arden Key, Big Jeff, and Harold Landry. And so that's definitely a plus for the Tennessee Titans. And you've also got to look at the continued development of Rashad Weaver as well. Hopefully, this is definitely a big year for him as he gets ready to enter that stage of his career where he's playing for a second contract, whether that be from the Titans or somebody else. Uh, Certainly, 
he want now is the time when he feels the need to put himself in the in the best possible position he can to play for that second contract in the NFL. And so those are just some of the things I like about the outside linebacker rush guys. Inside backers, uh, obviously the big name to take into account when you're talking about the Titans inside linebackers is obviously Aziz Alshire, the big free agent pickup from San Francisco. And obviously he didn't, he's a guy that didn't see the field all that much in San Francisco, but when you're playing behind Dre Greenlaw and Fred Warner, obviously you're not going to see that much playing time. We're talking about two of the top inside linebackers in the NFL in Greenlaw and Warner playing on the same team. And so really kind of hard to see much playing time when you're stuck behind those two guys. But when he did see the field with the Niners, Aziz really stepped up. Uh, I believe he finished his career in San Francisco with over 100 tackles. Did Aziz Al-Shair. So he's obviously going to be a major piece on defense. As far as who will be playing with him, I guess since the Titans did not draft a inside linebacker, and they, they didn't draft any defensive players this year, they drafted all offense in 2023. But having said that, I guess... This is a sign that Monty Rice is going to get the start the starting job opposite of Aziz Al Shire. I do have some question marks about that, but from a fan's perspective, hopefully the coaching staff knows a little bit more than I do about what Monty Rice can bring to the table and showcase, but we will just have to wait and see, much like with everything nowadays in this early part of the off-season, time will just have to tell the story of how the second middle linebacker spot plays out for the Titans, and obviously, before I move on to the DBs, just to sort of touch on the depth standpoint for the Titans as it relates to the inside linebacker spot, Dr. Gibby is back. Jack Gibbons. Dr. Gibby. Wow. Dr. Gibby was really one of the 
big stories of the preseason for the Titans last year. Played pretty well, but did he play well enough? And will he play well enough in this preseason to garner a spot on the roster this year? We will just have to wait and see about that. But today I've just got to give big shout out to Dr. Gibby at the inside linebacker spot for the Titans. Okay, the secondary. Much like the wide receiver spot on the offensive side, uh, the secondary probably has the most questions outside of the starting lineup because you would think that and think is the operative word here. You would think that you know who the starters are going to be when you look at Christian Fulton and Roger McCreary and Elijah Molden slash Sean Murphy Bunting at cornerback. And obviously, you've got KB... Kevin Byard and Amani Hooker holding down the two safety spots. But behind behind those five to six guys are just so many question marks in my mind. Caleb Farley, I'm just gonna jump right off right off the cliff with that one. And speaking of speaking of cliffs. Uh, that may be where Caleb Farley's career, at least with the Tennessee Titans, ends up going off the cliff because just the lack of consistency, the lack of being able to stay on the football field is really the major sticking point for me because as we all know, what is the best that you know there's a lot of abilities that these professional athletes have but at the end of the day what is the best sort of ability that you can have oh that's right it is your availability and shall we say Caleb Farley over his first 2 years in the NFL uh frankly has not been very available, and certainly this is a make-or-break year for him, and unfortunate, and again, this is a former first-round draft pick we are talking about here in Caleb Farley. Definitely a make-or-break year for Caleb Farley, but I hate to say it, but as I sit here on May the 22nd and look at the Caleb Farley situation, I do have to say that it seems a little bit more like breaking than it does making as it relates to Caleb Farley, a former 
and I'm going to reemphasize this because it's a very important point to make, a former first-round NFL draft pick. Thank you very much, J-Rub. But he is, Caleb Farley is really the man, uh, one of the, if not the major question mark by far in this secondary group here for the Titans. He's definitely far and away the major question mark as far as I'm concerned. But other than him, there's bunch of other guys that probably need to step up a little bit more as well. Trey Avery is one who saw quite a bit of playing time last year, particularly due to injury reasons, but I digress. Another guy that You need to look at, of course, I mentioned Roger McCreary being in the starting lineup. I really hope that he continues to develop just as a fan because he definitely showed some flashes last season. And so I'm very much looking forward to seeing what Roger McCreary continues to bring to the table. But Chris Jackson is the other guy at the cornerback spot that needs to step up because he's a former draft pick of the Titans as well. And he's sort of in that same type of situation that maybe Rashad Weaver is, where he's sort of on the fence of getting another contract from another team. It's probably not going to be the Titans that end up re-signing Chris Jackson. I think they're more likely to re-sign Rashad Weaver than they are to re-sign Chris Jackson. But I would say, as I sit here right now, it's definitely a make-or-break year for him. And special teams... Uh, obviously, Brett Kern is no longer in the fold at punter. Uh, Ryan Stone, many Brett Kern, or a many Brett Kern, if you will. Uh, Ryan Stonehouse is holding down the punter job for the Tennessee Titans as it stands right now, and hopefully he will end up being the Titans' long-term answer at punter. But the main area of concern I have from a special team standpoint is that we are... Buckle up, ladies and gentlemen, because it seems like for the 12th year in a row, the Tennessee Titans are bracing themselves for, for another kicker competition. This year will feature Caleb Shudak taking on Trey Wolf. And if you have no idea who those 
two guys are that I just named, Caleb Chudak and Trey Wolf, there is probably a very, very, very good reason for that. But having said that, there will be another, yet another kicking competition at Ascension St. Thomas Sports Park this upcoming off-season. And so it's going to be very exciting to watch, so brace yourselves, people. And with all of that being said, that is pretty much the Titans roster situation as of today. I really, and I, I, as I sort of wrap up the show here today, I know that there are so many other things to get to in the sports world, talking about the PGA Championship, and yes, I've not forgotten about you, Mateo. The Indianapolis 500 are the two big ones, but I really just, going off of Jim Brown passing away today, I really just wanted to stick with the football theme and since I did not get to discuss the Titans very much post uh, or pre and post, I guess, uh, rookie minicamp, I did want to spend quite a bit of time doing that today and just sharing how I how I feel how I'm feeling about the Titans current roster situation but with all of that being said uh, I'm pr- I'm probably hopefully going to be seeing you guys again tomorrow with so much more in detail about the various other topics that are going on in the world of sports. It's going to be a lot of fun. So with that being said, uh, thank you all so much for watching and listening to the show today. I appreciate it and see you guys.